This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. This is good news. Jim, you've been married for a couple weeks now, and you've already figured out the key to a successful marriage. Apparently. What is it? Never acknowledge your wife on social media. (laughs) That's the rule. What are you talking about? This is real. This is a a study out of the University of Kansas, and I kind of in my gut thought this was the truth, but couples who post less on social media about their relationship report higher happiness levels, study finds. So uh, basically, the research found that couples who consistently post on social media platforms about their relationship tend to experience lower levels of happiness compared to their counterparts who refrain from frequent posting. So the, basically the study revealed that those who post more are generally more influenced by other couples' posts on Instagram and how happy they look. So they start feeling inadequate and say, well, uh-huh. why isn't my relationship this happy as, the, as they are in this couple's photos? So to compensate, they start posting about how great their relationship is, hoping that it's going to make them feel better. But truly, that's all they're doing is overcompensating. Yeah, you see it all the time, eh? <laughs> It's like a guy who is complaining about his wife one minute, and then you go on his social media feed. It's like, oh, the love of my life. She's my rock, my everything. It's like, uh, dude, weren't you just uh, uh, saying she never lets you go out with the boys anymore and you hate your life? Where's your wedding ring? (laughs) (laughs) But it, it it does seem like a total overcompensation. But, I mean, it's nice every once in a while to post something online about your relationship, because it kind of saves a memory for you too. I think that's yes, that's sure. one of the better things about social media. It's a it's an online photo album almost. And there's there's a difference between posting a picture of you doing something with your partner and a, a picture of you that's clearly just pandering. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Weirdly enough, the the ironic thing. I don't know if that's the right word for the context, but in the study, they're saying that seeing other people's happy photos makes you feel inadequate. Meanwhile, those happy photos are probably just as fake, you know, as as you yeah. feel. Like they're they're probably compensating too, so it's like a never-ending cycle. I always love the couple that does public displays of affection on social media and they think they're they're sexy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they think they're hot. Look at how hot we are. Yeah, yeah. We're so in love. Aren't we a house? Aren't we a hot, sexy couple? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I don't want to see this. Get a room. Get a room. <laughs> yeah, true. Like a public display of affection. Like it's uh, some people like it, some people don't. Yeah, I, oh, look at how hot we're making out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to see this. I, I a little peck is fine, but I never need to see a side tongue. <laughs> no, thank you. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. I'm looking at an article in the New York Post about this missing millionaire crypto influencer who was found dismembered in a suitcase. Yikes. Not good. Murder investigation has been launched after 41-year-old Fernando Perez Algaba was discovered. Uh, well, parts of them were discovered in a suitcase. They... Uh, have since located the rest of the body. This guy had a strong Instagram following, posted pictures that made it look like he was living the life, talked about how he had amassed large sums of money by investing in cryptocurrency. They're now saying he didn't. (laughs) 
he actually wasn't a crypto influencer. A lot of the speculation initially when they found him dead was, oh, obviously uh, somebody came after his money. This is why you should never flaunt your wealth online. But now it looks like he never had the money. He was a car salesman. He would post pictures that made it look like he was super rich, but really he was in tons of debt. Sure. And he's probably leveraging his reputation to get into that debt. Yeah, he had some legitimate debt uh, that he had no way to pay back. And then he had some debt that was not so legitimate with some shady organizations, including one gang that uh, is heavily involved in the soccer scene over there. And he he borrowed $40,000 from them. And he left a message saying, if something happens to me, this is what happened. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a little bit of evidence. <laughs> Unless you clue. want to frame somebody. <laughs> but that, I always hear that the mafia or whatever organized crime rarely ever actually kills the person if they owe them a debt. Because if, once they're dead, the debt's never getting repaid. You, yeah, obviously. You hear like the broken knee and the chopping off the finger and stuff like that. But rarely... Uh, would they kill the guy? But I guess maybe they do. So he says he lost tons of money investing in crypto. Didn't actually make tons of money as he was uh, showing everybody mm. on, on social media. And why does every car you bought have dealer plates on it? <laughs> this is the Taz and Jim podcast. I didn't know this. Jim, you didn't know this. No. I, I don't know if anyone knows this. But if you're heading out to get some party supplies for the weekend and you have your kids with you, they could totally ruin things for you. Yeah, yeah. If they touch your booze at all, I think specifically in grocery stores this seems to happen, the the person at the counter selling the booze can turn down the purchase and say, I'm sorry, your child has touched the alcohol where you no longer can serve you this beer. So if your kid's in the cart yeah, and they grab a can of beer or a bottle of whatever and they're... They're playing with it as you push the cart up to the, the cashier. They can say, I'm sorry, you let your kid play with the bottle? We're not selling it to you. This story happened uh, recently on Sunday, and somebody took to Reddit to share the story. They're anonymous, but they said their 23-month-old son was sitting in the cart seat, fidgeting with various items in the cart. Yeah. One of the items was a six-pack, and when they got to the checkout, the person at the at the checkout said, I'm sorry, I just saw your kid touch the, the beer. I can't uh, legally sell this to you. And they said, well, they just touched it for a second. And they said, no, actually, it is LCBO policy that while those under 19 are permitted in the store, they are not allowed to purchase or handle products. Now, I understand that law when it comes to, let's say, a 16-year-old and they're getting mom and dad to buy them a six-pack of Mike's Hard for the prom. Or they're getting some stranger. They've been waiting outside the store. They're like, hey, will you buy me some booze? They're not allowed to. But this is a baby? What kind of ridiculous stickler? (laughs) It's like almost like when you give people power, they want to flex it. You know what I mean? So, oh, you broke a rule. I'm sorry. I can't help you. It's a rule. Next time, don't let your baby touch the six pack. Yeah. I think your baby has a drinking problem. But yes, they got the the rules governing the sale of liquor at grocery stores require a grocer to ensure that an ID of a person that who appears to be under nineteen is inspected before the liquor is sold to a person. <laughs> Does it say whether or not this was at a grocery store? It was a grocery store. It was a grocery store. Because if you're taking your kid 
to the liquor store and you're filling a cart up with booze, that's uh, that's a lot of booze. Understandable as a parent why you need it, though, right? <laughs> I don't even think they have the little kid yeah. seats in the in the tiny uh, LCBO yeah, carts, yeah, do yeah. they? I can't <laughs> buy this booze because of my kid. I'm buying it because of the kid. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Jimmy got a story there about a, a guy from Toronto who took justice into his own hands. Yeah, I mean, we all know that carjackings are just way up uh, across Canada, but specifically Toronto. So this guy, now he he is a well-off kind of fella. He had two Range Rovers stolen from his laneway in a span of a year. So the first one gets stolen, he's upset, but then the second one gets stolen, now he's really mad. This time he has a tracker on it. So this is a 64-year-old guy named Stephen Top from Toronto. He has a tracking device on it. First, he finds the he, so he's looking at it on his phone. He finds that it's at a shipping yard, like a train station somewhere in Toronto, where they put the containers on the train. Then it goes somewhere. So that he followed it from that train station on his app to Montreal, and he calls uh, the agency that would take care of that, CBSA, and says, "Hey, I've got a tracking device on my car. My this Range is Rover. where it is. I know where it is. It's yeah. in a container at this at this port in Montreal. Can you go get it for and me? And they said, well, we're a little understaffed right now. It could take up to four months to even be able to open the container. Now, we could set the container aside, and maybe it could get looked at sometime in the next four months, but we can't even stop it from being shipped. So this guy says, screw that. I'm going there myself. He goes to the port in Montreal stands beside the the container that it's in. He has tracked it down, and he finally gets a hold of CBSA. Is he outside the container, like, with his key fob going, doot, doot. You can hear it, hear it in the container. Yeah. And, and then he calls CBSA again and says, I'm literally outside the container right now. I've tracked it down. Can you please send somebody? So they reluctantly did. They sent somebody. Sure enough, the Range Rover was in that container, and he did get his Range Rover back. But again, police are telling people who've had their car stolen, please do not go rogue and track your car. It could be dangerous. But it it's so frustrating. Like, if it's right there and you know it's there, yeah. and they refuse to go, like, and I understand being understaffed. But, you know, this is why people are so frustrated. It seems like an easy step to just, I have tracked it myself. I've done all the work. I just need you to do this last step. And sometimes they refuse to do it. Well, it's also why the criminals are so highly motivated to commit these crimes. Of course. Because they're not doing anything about it. It's crazy. and Easy just, to get away with. Yeah. The, the Toronto police have reported 9,606 vehicle thefts in 2022 alone. How many? 9,606. Wow. Um, and and that's up three times because in 2015 there was only 3,000. So it's triple as bad as it was only eight years ago. Where will it be eight years from now? I don't know. Um, but yeah, people are, are airing their frustrations about the the CBSA. This all happened in May 22, but the story, or sorry, May 22nd, but the story just came out now. I, I, it's kind of weird, though. A lot of people are like, oh, Range Rover guy. Like, they don't have sympathy for him because he has money. Because he has a nice car. But still, the principle is these the criminals yeah, are stealing it. Because you can afford a nice car, yeah. it doesn't mean someone else has the right to take it from you. Of course, yeah. That would um, be uh, that would be something though. You show up and you can actually hear your car. Yeah, the automatic start. You get it going in there. Yeah, you turn it on. <laughs> it's right here. Yeah. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. 
Jack White is having an online garage sale. There's some pretty cool items here. You know, I like uh, I like a little buy and sell. Sure, online. I mean, you love an online auction too. Absolutely, he's got some cool stuff, uh, memorabilia that he's collected over the years. Some furniture, some cool mid-century modern furniture he's oh, selling. Oh, I thought this was like white stripes memorabilia, no, but it's literally stuff he has laying around. This is Jack White stuff. There's some uh, lighting that he's used on tour, and the this is the jewel of the collection here. You can bid on Jack White's 2013 Tesla Model S. You can buy Jack White's Tesla. He has spoken recently about how he's no longer a fan of Elon Musk. Uh, yeah, because it's the 2023, so he must not have had it for long. This is a 2013. Oh, 2013, Jim. sorry. Yeah, he's had it for a while. This is the the detail on the, on the car. This is what's written in the description. Whoa, daddy, ain't no joke here. What you're bidding on is Jack White's personal Tesla Model S. He called this car the green machine, thought to be the first Model S in the state of Tennessee. This car long served as White's daily driver. The sound system figured prominently in the mixing of the Rock on Tours 2019 album, Help a Stranger. Hmm. So I guess he'd be bringing uh, the demos in the car, cranking them up, listening in the Tesla on his drive home from work. In the surround sound, yeah. <laughs> I do like, I, I'm looking at the pictures here. There's a couple door dings, you know. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the one of the seats, the leather is separating one of the seats. Celebrities, they're just like us. <laughs> the cars start falling apart after a while. Yeah, yeah. Because that's like, it's on the cut. Once the car's 10 years old, like, it's almost scrapped. Like, my car's 10 years old. Well, 13 now, and it just died. It's when they start needing a little yeah. TLC, right? Uh, $32,000 US, the current bid with three days left. In that auction, if you want to buy Jack White's Tesla, you can go to ebth.com. That stands for Everything But the House, an auction site. Speaking of Elon and uh, his business decisions, uh, you got uh, Twitter is now X. Like, this is actually happening, I guess. And the guy who had the, uh, the username at X on Twitter had his username commandeered by the company. Mm. So his, you know, like we're at Taz and Jim, right? Yeah. So this guy was at just the letter X. He says that he got a letter from Tesla saying they are taking over his handle. They gave him a new handle that was like 12 times as long. Oh, I thought it'd be at Y. <laughs> it was like <laughs> at X one, two, three, nine, seven, five. <laughs> they said he can have any unused uh, name. Well, that's how it works. In right. Uh, so can anybody. Yeah. And that they would transfer over because he had like 50,000 uh, followers. So they mm. transfer over any followers that he has and all the data and all the tweets and all that. But he was pretty disappointed because he thought when he heard uh, Elon was switching the name of the company from Twitter to X, he's like, gold mine. Cha-ching, yeah. They're going to maybe buy me out. Maybe they'll give me a free Tesla, a ride on a SpaceX rocket in exchange for this uh, sure. at X 
Twitter handle? Because you hear about domain squatters all the time where they buy a website, www.x.com or whatever, and then they sit on that, or www.pepsipoints.com when they hear something's going on with Pepsi. Yeah, and, and they just Pepsi wait. They play the waiting game. But the difference is those companies don't own the website itself, <laughs> but this guy owns Twitter, <laughs> Sorry. so it's not the same dynamic. Sorry about your luck, X. Mm-hmm. We're just taking it. Uh, you can always buy Jack White's Tesla if you're interested. <laughs> this is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Are people still using, like, when I would work construction, there was guys that would put the gold bond down the pants on the hot day. Uh, for chafing? For chafing. Prevention? I never had to do it, but uh, I wonder if there's anything better now these days or if there's any new life hacks now that the internet is more popular because that was like a go A lot of guys in the glove box would have the gold Gold bond, gold bond medicated, medicated powder. powder. <laughs> Especially one guy I think of. I, I used to see the commercials for that all the time yeah, on television. Boy. I wondered what it was used for. <laughs> I just remember a guy, he was like pulling, he's carrying forms, which is like, you know, you set them up to, to pour a foundation or whatever, or a wall, whatever you're doing. They're super heavy. It's hard work in the sun. And he was like, had, I'd never seen a guy move and put powder down his butt at the same time. He was like walking. Oh, you put it so down the back. Down in the back. I thought yeah. it was to prevent like things bunching up no, in the front. It's because your cheeks start rubbing together. <laughs> okay. Right? You know what I'm saying? I know. I mean, I know that's graphic, but like, yeah, you've all been there. Jungle it, butt, they call it. It's, and it's a nightmare. Yeah. Oh my god! But like after a while, it turns into a a, a, a swash. That's a swash rash. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sure. And that's that, why you needed the medicated powder. I'm sure they. Uh, they they still use it. Yeah. I mean, if it's a problem and that's the solution, why not? You can text us anytime, one eight three three taz and jim We just got a message here from one of our listeners. says, one of my coworkers told me yesterday he uses duct tape. How's that going to work? <laughs> so you, you tape your butt up so it doesn't move at all and nothing rubs together? Please give us more information on how duct tape is going to prevent swamp butt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I'm trying to think. Like the sweat's not getting in there. It's coming out of there. So if you're using duct tape, you're just trapping it in. You're sealing it up. (laughs) That's not good. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Jim is reminiscing about back when he worked construction. Mm-hmm. And on a day like today, some of the guys on the construction site would get into the gold bond medicated powder pretty heavily. Oh, yeah. Just lift the back of their pants open, jump, <laughs> uh, you know, six, seven shakes of it down there and yeah. move on. I, I've been on a few cycling trips when I was younger, and you get your... your um, your tight spandex bike pants on, yeah, and then you'd always put the powder down your pants. Pre, like this is you pre pre ride, yeah, yeah, pre-ride. that's a good call. Yeah, uh, preventing chafing mm-hmm. is what it's good for. We did get a text message from one of our listeners saying that a coworker told him that instead of powder, he uses duct tape to prevent chafing, and we were wondering how that worked. So we pressed for some more details here, and we've got them. Okay. <laughs> He slaps pieces of duct tape along the sides of the legs at the top. So the rubbing is against, is duct okay. tape. So on it's like duct a gasket tape. on your legs, yeah. 
Because so, I've heard like uh, people, uh, specifically women, if they're wearing a dress and there's like, instead of pants, there's, there's nothing between, so their legs are rubbing together, they'll put Vaseline there so it, sli- it glides. Make it slippy. Instead of grippy. Slippy instead of grippy. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he was using the duct tape f- for his swamp butt, and I thought maybe he'd put a piece of tape on each cheek and then pull them apart and tape around Permanent. to the front. <laughs> Keep you know, strapped open. Keep it open. Yeah, yeah. You try that on your bicycle, and you just all you hear is a whistle going down the highway. <laughs> yeah. If I, women do have more tricks of the trade. I feel they're taping and shaping all the time. True. Yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah, they're lifting and moving, yeah. and yeah, they know all about the tape. So maybe, maybe this tape thing isn't as crazy as we initially thought. A uh, few more suggestions. Technology it has been uh, changing over the years, Jim, in, yeah. in terms of preventing chafing on hot days. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, the new best new thing is zinc oxide cream. Mm. It sounds like, I don't know, maybe something you would get from Shopper's Drug Mart or something. There's also something here from... Uh, a, mo- a mom, something was sold at Sport Check. Where'd that message go? We've got a couple okay. oh, here's couple uh, endorsements for yeah. Saks underwear. Yeah, Saks underwear. My son uses Body Glide anti-blister and chafing from Sports Check. I said, is that a cream? I said, no, it's like a roll-on deodorant. Okay. Which is better that than, would be handy. than tearing off the duct tape off your hairy <laughs> legs after an eight-hour shift, I would say. <laughs> Diaper rash cream. Let's go back in time to babies. Diaper yeah. rash cream still works. Hey, it's Taz and Jim. Yeah, I got a good story about sweaty butt. Okay. My buddy who worked in the uh, restaurant, he thought uh, he was watching everyone use Gold Bond. It's really hot in the kitchen. Um, he didn't realize that it wasn't Gold Bond, so he started using flour. <laughs> <laughs> So I just wanted to share that story with you guys. I thought you'd have a good laugh. He'd have to take a break every couple hours to pass a baguette. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Sad news. Another great rock and roll voice is gone. One of the founding members of the Eagles died this past Wednesday. Randy Meisner was the original bass player in the band. And he was the vocalist on arguably... The greatest Eagles song of all time. Man, I love this jam. Still you're coming back. You're running back. You're coming back for more. So put me on a highway and show me a sign. And take it to the limit one more time. Great documentary out there about the Eagles. If you haven't watched it, you have to. I love uh, 
I love Randy goes into the studio, records his song, and afterwards, he's asked by uh, Don Henley, how did it feel to record your first number one song, Randy? They knew this was going to be a smash yeah. hit as soon as they recorded it. But uh, Randy Meisner couldn't couldn't stand being around the band because of all the infighting. It's another thing you learn watching this documentary. <laughs> so he was on the outside of it, kind of? Well, yeah, he, he just wanted everyone to get along, yeah. right? And there was serious personality clashes over the years in the Eagles, and it just got to be too much. Here's a little clip from the doc about why Randy decided to leave the band. And we've got different viewpoints here. We've got Glenn Fry, Don Henley, Joe Walsh, and Randy all talking about him leaving. All I want to see is five guys happy playing together, you know, and that's what makes the music. Randy never knew how great he was. He wasn't alpha. Confrontations were really hard for him. We were backstage and the crowd was going wild. And our encore number was taken to the limit. People loved that song. They went crazy when Randy hit those high notes. But Randy didn't want to do the song that night. He'd been up partying all night. And Glenn kept trying to talk him into it. He said, man, the, the people want to hear that song. you got to do it. And Randy kept saying no. And the audience, who'd been waiting years to see us do those songs, we just got fed up with that and just said, okay, don't sing it. Why don't you just quit? You say you're unhappy, quit. Wow. <laughs> Called hate, the bluff. They all hated each other so much. Man. <laughs> yeah. Poor Randy. Poor, he seems like a sweet fella just from that little clip there. Yeah. It's so weird because I feel like I think the Eagles are a great band, but they I, they also get dumped on a lot. I think specifically just because of the movie The Big Lebowski and the dude in it complains about the Eagles all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it, and then it, that movie I had a resurgence, and then so did the Eagles. Like I uh, hate, but well, I people, mean, some rock purists, you know, so called rock purists say that the Eagles ruined rock and roll because they're so laid back, and you know, California rock isn't real rock, but there's Kinda no yacht rock. There's no question that "Take It to the Limit" is uh, a is a jam, an all time jam. Life in the fast lane. Don't tell me that's not rock. Randy Meisner has passed away. Glenn Fry is gone. Uh, another eagle has left us. Randy was 77 years old. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Jim, I, I watched, well, not the whole, I couldn't make it through the whole movie, but the new Transformers, Rise of the Beasts, on your recommendation. My recommendation? You said you went and saw it at the drive-in on the weekend. I said I, I went to watch it and Mission Impossible, but my battery died after Mission Impossible. Oh, so you didn't even stay for the Transformers movie? No, and we didn't have a lot of gas left in the old SUV <laughs> to you, keep the battery charged, so we left right after. For the trip to the drive-in. Certainly maybe. not. No. Well, you were complaining about Mission Impossible and how the plot of every single movie seems to be they're looking for. A Mac MacGuffin, they call him. Sure. A goober. Yeah. It's like, we need to find this thing. 
you know, the Infinity Stones in the Avengers movies sure. or whatever the it is. The briefcase in Pulp Fiction. You don't know what's inside yeah, it, nor does it matter. They're always looking for something. And in the new Mission Impossible movie, they're looking for a key. Well, two keys. Two keys that make one <laughs> yeah, key. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, guess what the plot of the Transformers movie is? If it's a freaking key? <laughs> it's a freaking key, Specifically bud. a key? A key. We need to find the key, Autobots. Yeah. It's Where's just, the key? Sure. Who has the key? I've got the key. We've got to stop the thing with the key. It doesn't even have a cool name? No, they call it the key. Oh, my God. So you're almost lucky your battery died and you had to leave the drive-in. Yeah. Because if you went from Mission Impossible into Transformers Rise of the Beast, that would have been a good four and a half hours, five hours of you watching people looking for a key. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, let's just turn the key on and get the <laughs> hell out of here. But th- was it okay? But I don't go to Transformers movies to, to really embrace a deep plot. Did it look cool when they transformed? Yes. It, it looks cool when they transform, especially when they're driving and they transform like as m- on the move mid drive. Yeah. yeah, that looks awesome. But every one of those movies has been almost identical to the last one. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I will say Bumblebee was okay. Bumblebee it had a was bit of heart. good. Yeah, Bumblebee was good. Uh, new movies this weekend. I wonder what kind of key they're looking for in the new Disney Haunted Mansion movie. Oh, I bet it's a ghost key. <laughs> Skeleton key. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> did, they already did a Haunted Mansion movie based on the, the ride at the, uh, the amusement parks there. But... Obviously, they weren't too thrilled with it. They felt the need they, to completely reboot things. Eddie Murphy was in the, the first Haunted oh, Mansion movie. that wasn't that movie. long ago. That was maybe a decade ago. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> they are just so out of ideas. Danny DeVito, Owen Wilson, Tiffany Haddish, Lakeith Stanfield are the stars of this one. Um, and uh, apparently, it's a little more faithful to the amusement park ride than the last Haunted Mansion movie. Okay, I've been on the ride. It's pretty cool. But it's like you go you go to like from floor to floor. Yeah. And you go to maybe three or four floors and each floor there's like a skeleton on one and then well, an old lady the, on the other. The, the ballroom when they're all dancing with each other. I mean, the special effects on that ride considering yeah, it was they like were, a hologram. They were made in the 60s. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah. But, I mean, there's not a lot of plot on a merry-go-around. I mean, like, what are we talking about here? Well, there's enough plot, apparently, to make two movies at least. I guess so. The new Haunted Mansion in theaters this weekend.